Thank you. Okay, today for our sermon, we're going to try kind of doing an interview style. So I have some questions here um, that I'm going to be engaging with Neil and he'll be answering. So if you see me looking down, it's because I'm reading these questions here. But I'll try to... Yeah, we thought we'd try something a little different with it um, since we're in a living room setting and, and just see how this goes. So you can let us know in the comments if you thought this was a good idea or a bad idea. <laughs> and so uh, this is not like a highly rehearsed thing or anything. We're just going to see how it goes. And if it's a complete train wreck, you may never see us do an interview again. Uh, but if it's great and you like it, then who knows? Maybe we'll do it again. So we're going to just give it a try. So this is a sermon as a sort of interview. <laughs> All right. So... Lately, Neil's been sharing about um, the way of kings. That's been for the last few weeks. And then this is the last week. Is that right? Right. Yeah, we're wrapping up the way of kings this week. And uh, we've looked at, you know, through over the course of this thing, you know, do, do we really understand what it means that God is king? And, and you know, what, what does that look like? What does that mean? Because we're not used to talking about kings in our culture, in our, in our society. So, um, you know, and if that's true, then what does that mean about his word. His word is law then, and his law is good if he's a good king. And so we've talked about kind of what that means and what it means to say or do anything in the name of a king, or uh, what it means for his kingdom to come, which is different than, you know, the way kingdoms typically come and with an army or something like that. And Jesus' kingdom, he said, is different. And Jesus said that his kingdom comes in the hearts and minds of people as they recognize the truth and follow Jesus. And so uh, that's some of the, what we've talked about so far, and today we're going to wrap things up with kings and their returns. Um, you know, why does a king leave, and what happens when they return? Because our hope is that our king will return. So uh, that's something that I think will tie in also uh, with you know what we're dealing with, hopefully. Great. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Um, it seems like this is a topic that has the potential to really speak some hope into situations kind of like where we're at right, right. now. Yeah, so, in fact, why don't we just say a brief prayer that, that that's the case today and that this message will uh, bring hope and encouragement to someone uh, that needs it today. Holy Spirit, we ask that as we talk about these things today, that you would speak hope and confidence into our life, knowing who our King is and confidence in His return. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, to start off, I'm going to read a few um, passages of Scripture, and I'm going to pause after each one so that Neil can respond. Um, but I'd like to encourage you to look these up at home. Go ahead and get out your Bible or pull it up on your phone. The more that you engage with this, the more you're going to get out of this sermon today. I just find that true in my own life. If I am trying my hardest to be engaged physically and mentally and emotionally, it just seems that much deeper. All right, so the first passage, and this is on the um, order of service, if you downloaded that. Got the references, yeah. Yeah, the references are. Okay, the first one is Psalm 96, 10 through 13. Psalm 96, 10 through 13. It says, Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. 
He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Okay, so, so yeah, that's a passage uh, that, again, we may read it and, and not even recognize that it's talking about a king. But the Lord reigns is literally saying, like, the king reigns. He's, he's in charge. He's the ruler of everything. And, and in this passage, this psalm is somewhat, we might say, prophetic. It looks to the future, and it says that he's going to come, the king of all kings, the king of the universe. He's going to come and to judge. And, and this is not you know, unique to this passage. That's a theme that we find throughout Scripture, that God's going to come and judge. And, and it's not something that, uh, you know, we're maybe all that comfortable with necessarily, but it's something that would have been something, well, it would have been something they would have understood. Like as, as people back in that era, that's what a king did. He came and when he returned, there was judgment that needed to happen from things that had happened while he was gone or whatever. So, uh, so, you know, it, why would a king leave? He'd leave for any number of reasons. Usually a king leaves with an army. Uh, to go out and either defend his nation or to expand his territory. And so he's going to fight an enemy, and then he returns, hopefully victorious. Uh, you know, he, he might not return if he wasn't victorious. So, uh, you know, he goes out and then he returns, and people are longing for their king's return, especially if it's a good king. They're waiting for him to return, and they're hoping that things will improve when he returns. Because when the king's gone, uh, I guess it'd be a little bit like the teacher leaving the room, of a classroom of students, you know, and uh, like, oh, what's going to happen while the king's gone? And then he comes back and it's like, oh, we have order again. There's peace again. Uh, so, so, you know, hopefully they're going to return victorious. Hopefully they're going to return and bring judgment. And that's why, you know, that psalm sounds so hopeful that judgment's going to come. It seems like the word judgment day, I've kind of always viewed and maybe a lot of Christians have viewed and they like dreaded or a fearful way but this passage doesn't seem to put it in that light right it's like super hopeful like let's all celebrate the king's coming to judge and that's not the vibe that we usually get when we talk about it and maybe that's like old fire and brimstone preaching that like god's gonna return and judgment day you know and it's like um this scary thing for us but in in scripture it's not it's it's this really hopeful thing um so you know, that's, that's one of those things that, that maybe uh, we need to get used to. We're not used to, I think one of the reasons that we don't feel that very well in our society is that we don't feel very oppressed. Like, uh, when you think of people around the world that maybe are really oppressed by a tyrannical government uh, that's really, you know, got the people burdened with, you know, and they don't have any food and they don't have any supplies because the rich people in the government are just keeping it all for themselves or or they're actually harming their people. Uh, you know, we, we hear of cases like that around the world and we would understand why those, those people would long for someone, you know, for a good king to come and issue judgment, you know, and set things right. Uh, but sometimes we aren't aware of the oppression that we live under. You know, I think that we do live under a kind of oppression. It's just not that kind. And so it's kind of self-inflicted in our case. It's, it's a spiritual oppression, uh, a societal oppression. We we see the effects of that in, uh, oh man, our society's struggle with anxiety, depression, uh, our, our struggle with so many health concerns that are in large part due to bad health choices by our, our society, uh, whether it's drugs and alcohol or the kinds of food we eat or uh, 
uh, even our screen time and things, they, you know, all this research is coming out about what we're doing to ourselves. And, uh, you know, so yeah, we're oppressed in maybe different ways that we don't even really realize. But, uh, but yeah, when you realize you're oppressed, then you long for judgment. Right. <coughs> well, I Excuse noticed me. you had a little book back here. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think maybe this would help. Can you see it? Ooh. It's going to be backwards. It's backwards. Everything's backwards today. I'm so mad. I'm sorry. Hang on. Let me. I'm gonna uh, try to clear my throat real quick, and I don't want to blast you. Also. Been a little bit under the weather this week, and uh, anyway, that helps. So, if you could read this, if it was right side up, this is a book that I've loved since I was a kid, called Robin Hood. And it tells the story of Robin Hood, which, you know, you don't have to read the book for that because everyone knows that story, I think. Uh, the story of Robin Hood. And I think it maybe helps with this. Like, if you think back to that story, uh, basically, that is a story about a king who left. Uh, king Richard, if I'm remembering right, you know, he's the guy that left. He went out on a crusade. And he left his kingdom. And so he left it in the hands of his little brother, John. Uh, Prince John and then this sheriff of Nottingham that was Prince John's kind of right hand and and these guys were corrupt and they ended up you know raising taxes on people uh, to absurd amounts to where they couldn't even provide provide for their families they had all these uh, restrictions on what they could do and uh, you know what meanwhile they were living large and and the people were suffering and so uh, that was the that's the premise of that Robin Hood story and and the setting for it and so then of course you've got Robin Hood and his merry men that are fighting against the oppressive rulers but meanwhile Robin Hood and his guys and all the common people who are suffering they're all waiting and longing and hoping and expecting that King Richard is gonna return at some point and set these things right that's the like that's the backdrop of that whole story and I think maybe that helps us see a little bit of you know what's happening in the biblical narrative about God being king and his you know, people longing for him to come and bring judgment. So as Christians, are we the poor people in the story that are waiting for King Richard to come back? Or are we supposed to be like Robin Hood doing something about mm. it? Yeah, so maybe a little bit of both. And, and I think maybe that'll become clear as we go uh, and as we look at you know, how to apply this um, truth in our lives as we kind of and look at these other passages. Okay, well, let's look at the next one. It's going to be Psalm 24, 7 through 10. Psalm 24, 7 through 10. It says, Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, I like that little passage and the, and the question and answer that comes uh, from, you know, basically you've got the, the people at the gate, like the guards, uh, standing watch. And they see this king coming, and then there's this question and answer, like from the people to the gate of, like, you know, who's coming, you know, and who is this guy? And then they're like, oh, it's the king of glory, you know. Um, so, and there's all this excitement, and then, you know, the people go 
rushing out to meet the king, you know, would be what would happen. The people, the scholars that I've read that studied this period of history and in that part of the world, they said this would have been common, uh, even up into the Roman Empire days with Caesar and things like that. Like, you'd have this city, if you can picture this in your mind, right? Like, uh, not in Louisiana where you can't see out very far because there's so many trees, but, uh, you know, picture it more of like a desertus or, uh, you know, a valley or whatever. And, and there's the city with the walls and, and the gates swing open wide and you can see out across this plain and out there in the plain, you see this procession coming. Uh, the king is coming with his army and he's returning. And, and so there's excitement, there's buzz, and there's a welcoming party that goes out of the gates in excitement to welcome their victorious, glorious king. And, and they go out and they greet him and then they usher him back in in this like parade that happens. And so it would have been just like this huge celebration. And, and that's kind of what we see happening. And probably, you know, something like that would have happened with King Richard returning uh, when the people would have run out and said, yes, he's here, you know, we're saved. So, yeah. That's good. I was getting chills. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, the last scripture is not in Psalm. It's in First Thessalonians. <laughs> First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians four sixteen through eighteen. That's over in the New Testament. So this is after Jesus's death and resurrection, while the people are already asking questions about when would Jesus return. So that's kind of the setting of this one. First Thessalonians four sixteen through eighteen. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel. And with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise up first. Will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Yeah. So this is great. This is uh, this is after yeah after Jesus had lived, died, resurrected, and ascended back into heaven, and the early church is being established as the first generation of believers, and as this thing has been going on for a little while, these Christians that are brand new Christians uh, begin to lose their first loved ones who are also Christians, and uh, so you can imagine like, oh, we hadn't thought this through, like they were thinking the king could return imminently at that point, like in their lifetime, and so they hadn't really worked through what happens if we die before he returns. Uh, and so they were, had these questions and they apparently got word to Paul, the, the apostle that had worked with them. And so he sends a letter back explaining, making it clear. And again, we get this image that's the same kind of image that they would have been used to from their living in a world with kings that go out and who leave and then return. And so Paul says, that we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we'll be with the Lord forever. And so he's, you know, actually describing this idea of the king's returning, and we're going to go out and meet him there, and that the people that we've lost who are our loved ones, they'll be there with him, and we'll be reunited, and we'll be together forever. So. But it says they'll meet him in the air and be with him forever. Don't most Christians see this as Jesus taking us off to heaven to live with him? Right. So, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of, 
a lot of uh, Christians in America in recent years, like the last hundred or two years, have kind of gone down that trail of saying, well, this is God whisking us away. We're escaping earth um, and we're going to be with him forever. And so there's a, you know, left behind series and different things like that teach that um, kind of rapture thing or whatever you want to call it, where, um, you know, Christ returns and takes us off into the air with him. But that's, uh, you know, from what I've read, that's not what's actually happening here. So uh, again, it's the language of a king returning. And just like in their day, uh, you know, our king's going to return out of thin air, you know, out of the heavens, because he ascended to the heavens, and so he's going to come back from the heavens. And when our king returns, we're going to send out a welcoming party. That's the, that's the description here. And so you're, you're welcoming him back, our, our king that we've been longing for to come and set things right and live with us forever. And so that's the imagery of, uh, and yes, there's this language where we don't know if the whole earth's going to be swallowed up and a new earth formed out of it, or if this earth is going to be renewed somehow. And there's, there's a lot of mystery to that. But this idea is that we're not, as Christians, supposed to be longing to escape this world. You know, but we're supposed to be longing for him to return to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a big difference because, uh, you know, it can lead to kind of a lazy mindset maybe or just a, like a, I don't care about this world mindset if you just think, you know, look, God, get me out of here. This world's a mess. I don't want to be here anymore. Just I want to escape, uh, you know, versus this idea of God, there's so many problems here. We need you to come back and fix it, uh, which is really the language of scripture. And so... Uh, fixing it may include destroying it and remaking it or or just renewing it somehow and we don't know exactly what that's going to look like but we know that we desperately need our king to return and we when we see him returning we're going to want to go out and meet him and greet him and and uh, and usher him back into the city as it were to to set things right and just uh, yeah i mean again like king richard thing or whatever example you you know can think of that comes to mind of you're so glad that he's coming back and, and, you know, help us fix this. Help us get things right. So instead of waiting for our chance to escape, we should be waiting for his chance to return. It's really good. Okay, so we're waiting for King Richard to come and restore peace and justice and to lift up the poor and release those wrongly imprisoned. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, I mean, and isn't that kind of the language of Scripture, uh, both in the prophets that prophesied about Jesus and Jesus himself quoted the prophet Isaiah and said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to proclaim release of the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and doesn't that sound just like again a King Richard situation with Robin Hood or whatever where like we're longing for the king to come and set things right and that's that's the language that Jesus himself uses is I've been sent to do this. I, I'm, I, I've showed up for it and I'm going to come back. And of course, with Jesus, it's not just the material injustice and oppression. It's not just the temporary stuff, but it's the spiritual level of things. It's the lies sown by our enemy, uh, you know, the father of lies, the devil. It's, it's, the, it's the sin that we have allowed into our hearts and lives and our world and, and humankind. It's it's those, the darkness in the hearts of people that he came to address. And so it's even a deeper issue than what we see in, you know, everyday kingdoms. So if Jesus is a little like King Richard, awaiting his chance to return, what are some of the things going on today that he'd be upset about, based on what Jesus says God wants for the mm-hmm. world? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think we could all use our imagination. And my list might be different than yours. But if we try to look at our world like, as, a, as a world through Jesus' eyes, and not just through like an American's eyes or through your personal eyes, but if you try to step back and gain God's perspective, and what Jesus sees as he sits at the right hand of the throne of power and looks at what's going on in the world, there's all kinds of stuff he might see going on. Uh, I mean, in, in our Western world, in America, I think he would see people who are just drowning in fear and anxiety and depression, and they're trying to fix that with medications or with screens or with drugs and alcohol or whatever the case is. There's just millions of people who are struggling with everyday life right now, and he would see that. He would see that we are, uh, man, obsessed with material things in a way that's not healthy for our souls. And that we've become so busy and hurried in our lives. Um, he would see what, you know, he would see the little Debbie's Isle. <laughs> and just our unhealthy, you know, relationship to food that we've got as a culture. In the Western world, it's not just America, it's the whole Western world. And, and but beyond the Western world, what? Other parts of the world, there's, he would see tyrannical governments and leaders who are oppressing people, even persecuting Christians and other faith groups. Uh, he would see that, and certainly his heart would break for that. He would, I think, see this coronavirus crisis going on and the chaos and the fear and the anxiety that it's uh, sowing, and he would see it as something deeper than a virus at work, but as symptomatic of something wrong with his creation that went wrong when sin entered the world. And I think his heart breaks for that. And he longs to set it right. And I believe he will in, in the right time. So each week of this series, you've had a question for us. The first week was, do you know him as king? Some of the others were, do you know his word as law and his law as good? And what will you do in the name of the king? And then last week was, will his kingdom come in you? So what question do you have for us this week? Okay, uh, so the question this week is, are you longing for the king's return? Just think about that for a second. Are you longing for the king's return? Yeah. Okay, what does that look like? And how do we know if we can answer yes to that? All right, so when we think about what does it look like to be longing for the king's return? I mean, again, I go back to this, the book, right? The Robin Hood story. And what did it look like for those people to long for King Richard to return? Uh, you know, and I think that even in their darkest hour, like when we watch the movie or read, read, the, the, read the stories of it, right? In their darkest hour, when things seemed bleakest, they held out this hope that he would return. And it looks similar for us, right? That we have a choice with our thoughts. Are we going to keep our faith and our hope alive? Or are we going to allow ourselves to just drown in uh, you know, negative thought patterns? Like, we have some control over what we think. Uh, more control than we tend to allow ourselves to believe. You know, sometimes we just think, well, this is who I am. I'm a pessimist. Or this is who I am. I'm, uh, you know, I just struggle with these kinds of thoughts. Well, sure, you may struggle with those kinds of thoughts, but you also have some, a measure of control over what you 
think about and where you direct your thoughts and where you can redirect your thoughts to, even if it's time and again and again and again. And so if we're going to keep faith alive and keep hope alive, then every time that the darkness threatens to overcome us, we have to turn our thoughts back to intentionally what we believe and what we hope and what we just say is going to be true. Our king is going to return. Things are going to get better. He's going to set things right. We can trust God because he's always been trustworthy. Those kinds of thoughts, speaking truth to the lies and the fear, that's a huge part of, of longing for the king's return. And, and so I would just encourage you to be intentional about that and to be careful with what you put in to your life. Because look, I mean, here's the deal. You're going to be facing an uphill battle if you spend more time reading the news about what's going on with all this negative stuff going on in our world than you do spending time with Jesus or in his word or in prayer. Like, I'm just saying, if that gets out balanced, even that by itself, then you're definitely going to have a problem, right? Trying to keep yourself longing for the king to return, to keep that hope and faith alive because it's drowning. You're drowning it. And so don't drown that out, but be intentional about setting your mind on the right things, on the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. That's right. I think back so often to that Keys of Freedom, Keys to Freedom study that we did where it was talking about your mind can go down this path and you're building a trail for yourself. And the more times you go down it, you're just making that path more clear. And so you have to redirect and choose a new path. Don't allow yourself, when that thought pops into your head, just grasp it and take it back to God's truth. Because it's easy to tell yourself lies and to start Kind of believing those lies yeah. okay so one way we're sure to sorry one way to be sure we're longing for the king's return is to be intentional about keeping hope alive is there anything else yeah i think there has to be one more thing here if we're addressing followers of jesus uh, those who serve and pray in his name and that would be that if we want to be people who long for the king's return then we need to be doing the things that he'd want done in the meantime. Mm -hmm. And this kind of comes back to you know, your question earlier of, in the Robin Hood story, are we the poor people or are we Robin Hood? And it's like kind of both. <laughs> and so part of that is, you know, we're the poor people saying, God, come back and fix these things. Uh, but at the same time, we're also Robin Hood in the sense that we're charged as followers of Jesus. Um, he charged us, didn't he? He said, you're going to go and be my hands and feet. You're going to be, you know, I'm going to leave. And when I come back, I want to find you about my business. And he told stories about this. He told parables of, you know, the king or, or a ruler or a master returning and finding his servants either doing what they were supposed to be doing or not, you know. And so he, that we were, he, he made it very clear before he left that there was going to be troubles in this world and he expected us to be about his business while he was gone and until he returns to set things right and so that's that's the image that we have for us and I I find that both encouraging and challenging like so encouraging to know that you know look he's coming in the meantime I'm gonna do what I can uh, but challenging sometimes to know what to do or how to do it and so you know that's just that's something we have to pray through and work out how, what would Jesus want done? And when he, you know, when we look out and see things that aren't right in the world, what can I do about it in Jesus' name? That's something to pray about.
So we should be looking around and asking ourselves what he'd want done. I really like that analogy because I can just picture King Richard coming back in like a very tangible way. Is he pleased with what I'm doing or not? Um, that's how it's going to be with the Lord. Yeah, I mean, because Robin Hood, you know, took a gamble in a sense. Like right. he, he believed he knew what King Richard would want done. And so he did it to the best of his ability. And sometimes that was like, uh, there was a moral, you know, he had moral qualms about it or a moral problem. Like, am I stealing from these people? Is that wrong when I'm doing it for this purpose? And, you know, ultimately he was vindicated by King Richard's return and King Richard saying, thank you for looking after my people while I was gone. Uh, so, you know, that he was vindicated in the end. And that's really the imagery that scripture uses mm -hmm. as I've thought about it. That's the imagery is we're supposed to be about his business to the best of our ability. And sometimes the world will say that we're wrong for it. Uh, but our hope is that we'll be vindicated when Jesus comes back and says, no, you've been about my business and I thank you, good and faithful servant. Mm -hmm. All right. Do you have any ideas for us in these times where we're all feeling isolated and kind of at a loss for what to do? Yeah. I mean, I've, and I've seen some lists come out, you know, through ministry sources and things of things we can be doing for one another. I mean, obviously praying for one another. Uh, but you know, when everyone's so isolated like this, what, you know, sometimes it feels like at a loss, you know, to, you can't even, they won't even let you in a hospital or a nursing home facility to try and encourage these people. And so that our resources are limited. We're having to try and get creative with what we're doing. Um, so, I mean, look, one thing we can do, especially in this time is to each of us think about who are a few people like uh, neighbors or people in our church family who might need some encouragement. Uh, who are going to feel lonely during this time, who are going to feel worried and afraid during this time. You might be one of those people, but it's okay still for you to think about others and who might also feel that way and then try to breathe some encouragement into their life through a phone call. Uh, you know, that would be a great thing. Like, what if each of us called three people this week and every week through this crisis and just said, you know, hey, I just wanted to check on you. How are you doing? Hey, we're going to get through this. Uh, the king is on his throne, you know, everything's good. Uh, just try to speak some encouragement to one another. And so that might be just a simple way of, of doing something. You know, we've also talked about uh, that, you know, if you know someone who maybe shouldn't be getting out to get groceries uh, and you are healthy right now and that kind of thing, then maybe you could offer, you know, to go pick up some groceries for them and bring them to them and just you know, try to be as sanitary as you can and all with that. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned that we've got families that are struggling with income issues right now. And so it might be that you can be a financial blessing to someone either directly or, you know, through our, our churches thing, if you don't know someone directly. Uh, you know, I thought about even that some of us are going to be getting checks from the government, apparently, to help us through this time. And some of us are in desperate need of those checks to get here now. And, and some of us may be like, well, I'm still getting paid. What am I going to do with this check? And so it might be something where as Jesus people, we don't just say, hey, look at me. I'm lucky. I got blessed with this extra money. Let me see what I can do with it. You know, and finally, you know, put that hot tub in the backyard or whatever. <laughs> like, may not be that. It might be like, what was the spirit and the heart behind this money? It was to help people who need help. And as Jesus people, we're looking for opportunities to help people who need help. So what can I do with this money uh, to either, you know, help uh, you know, either a group that's trying to help people or 
you know, a, an, an individual that I know about or whatever the case is. Uh, I think we ought to be on the lookout for opportunities like that. For sure. That's something I pray for a lot is for God to show me opportunities where I can show his love to others. Because a lot of times it'll be right there and I don't even see it. So I need God to open my eyes to that. Uh, what if there's someone watching today who isn't a Christian? Okay, so if you're watching and you're not a Christian, then uh, look, the whole premise of this series, right, has been that there is a God and he is king. Like, if there is a God, then he's the king of the universe. He made it all. It's his. I'm his. You're his. You're his you know, um, we belong to him. His word is law, whether we like it or not. Uh, if, if there is a God... And if he's king, then he should be my king. He should be your king. And so, yes, the invitation that you know, Jesus said, I came to bear witness to this truth. And, and you know, God gave him authority, he said. And he you know, validated that by his death for us and his resurrection. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father. And when the time is right, even as we sit here saying, come Lord Jesus, come. When the time is right, he will return to judge the earth and set things right. It's something that we all should be longing for. And if that's something you can't long for because you're not in a right relationship with God, you don't recognize him as your king, then the invitation from Jesus and his apostles and from the church through all these years has been to repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit, follow Jesus, be with Jesus so you become like Jesus and do the things that Jesus would have you to do. This is the call to everyone and it's the call to you today. And so if you're watching this stream uh, either live or later down the road, you've stumbled onto it and, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to your life and saying, look, I am the king and uh, you feel like, man, I need to recognize that. Or you can comment, you can message us directly, message me directly. Let someone know that you have decided to follow the king. Repent and be baptized. Look, you can wait until we can do baptisms again in the baptistry, or you can just find another believer and have them dunk you in your bathtub. Like, I don't say that lightly. I mean, literally, anybody can baptize someone anywhere that there's water. Uh, any believer can baptize someone who comes to faith in Christ anywhere where there's water. This is, this is something we see even in Scripture. So... Uh, you know, nothing's holding you back from being baptized. Nothing's holding you back from following Jesus. Uh, not even these crazy circumstances that we're finding ourselves in. That's right. Sometimes I think it's easy to get in our head that a pastor has to do it. A pastor doesn't have to be with you to accept Jesus into your heart. You can do that anywhere, anytime. That's and right. then also um, baptism. I think you do need a pastor for, or at least a certified minister to get married. So don't do that at home. But, <laughs> or a justice of the peace. <laughs> yes, you need someone with some credentials. But to be saved, all you need is you and Jesus. So that's good to remember. Yeah. All right, do you want to say a prayer for us? And then we'll sing a couple more songs. Sure, yeah, let's do that. Father, we declare that you and you alone are king of the universe. And we confess that we have too often seen our Christian faith as a way to escape the world when all along you've been wanting to return and restore the world, rescue the world, renew the world. We ask that your Holy Spirit would keep our hope alive and our hands and feet busy about your work as we long for your return. 
pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.